Hi, and welcome to EC Honestly with Kayla and Lisa. Here we discuss the ups and downs of working in the field of early childhood education. So listen, hopefully learn, and enjoy. Before we begin, I would just like to acknowledge with gratitude that I am speaking to you from Port Moody, which is the unceded and traditional territory of the Coast Salish, Quaquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish, and Stolo peoples. So today I'm honored to be speaking to Aziza. Um, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. Aziza, um, <coughs> goes by Pedagogy Mama on social media. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I'm really excited um, to be talking to you because I think pedagogy is a word that gets thrown around a lot um, in education in general, but it's something that's not, there's not really an understanding as to what it is. Um, yeah. So would you like to tell us a little bit um, about yourself and your background? Sure. So I have actually been in the ECE field for almost 15 years now. Um, I've worked in several different programs and gained so much more knowledge um, just from being in the classrooms directly and as well as on the floor. Uh, and then, you know, that goes hand in hand with the administration roles that we all have to kind of do um, for that to kind of roll and, and continue on going. Um, so I managed to work at a facility and I also then started to work up at SFU Child Care Center. And so I was there for a good chunk of my years. Uh, where I learned a lot about just collaborating uh, with different uh, educators, as well as expanding my experience in regio-inspired work, as well as documentation. Uh, currently now, I'm a consultant at the Child Care Resource and Referral, um, which where we serve uh, the Tri-Cities area, as well as New West and Burnaby. And um, from there, I, I think I'm becoming more of an advocate for our uh, educators who are working in the field currently. Um, my passion there is I have been working a lot on the early learning framework and the documentation piece as well as the loose parts play. Um, so that is sort of like my niche there and my expertise and we kind of challenge each other, ask questions. Um, and so that's how I think my blog came about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I decided to do Pedagogy Mama where I'm on Instagram as well as Facebook. Um, where I just kind of put ideas out for educators as well as parents too. I think last year was really great when we were going through the pandemic and some of the parents just absolutely had no childcare and they were kind of trying to figure out what are they gonna do with their children? Uh, so this gave them a really good place to come to. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that. And I love that you touch about loose parts because that's something that's not very, you know, known about, right? Like mm -hmm. that's it's such a new concept as well. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Um, and so from my understanding, uh, your passion, again, just from what you've said too, you know, your passion is documentation, um, facilitating workshops using the BC early learning framework. And, you know, that's uh, something that's been recently revised, right? Like, uh, yes. I think it's only been what two years yes uh more so yeah about about just over a year I'd say right that has um, been I, revised I'm curious why that revision happened like because I think you know in the field of ECE you know you we were told like this is going through a revision and um in my workplace I was actually part of those groups of educators that were given the first sort of um uh what's the word I'm looking for like the 
gosh, I'm like blanking out. <laughs> when it's not I guess, I guess kind of, kind of uh, providing a, you were given like an input and into yeah. what, what was going to be kind of implemented into the early learning framework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. We looked at the copy that was yet to be published. Um, and, right. you know, we, we basically, you know, criticized it to a T everything from the pictures to the wording to, is it, you know, is it friendly for, um, educators who English is a second language, you know, it, you know, is, is it too wordy? Um, are we touching yeah. on subjects that are, you know, that are necessary and vital if we're going to change, you know, the, the, uh, the world of education, right. For the better. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. So I'm curious, like, yeah, why, you know, for maybe some people are not aware of why that revision had to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's actually a great question. So I think in terms of the revision piece, um, there was a lot when it came to how much evidence has shown in different articles and whatnot. And our research has shown that learning through play can really provide benefits within children. Um, learning with play comes with curiosity. It comes with, uh, you know, that the self of wonder. Um, when you give children that physical component of actually being present in play, it completely changes the, the dynamic of the way they learn, the way their curiosities come about. And then those wonder questions come out. So I think that that, that was the biggest piece. Um, and then the Ministry of Education did relook at everything and really wanted to level, I would say, the early childhood education as well as the primary years of learning. So one of the key changes that have come about is that now it just doesn't focus on zero to five years, it focuses on zero to eight years. Wow. And so, yeah, and so I think um, with that being said, even the primary teachers who are in the school are now sort of learning a little bit more about the experiences outdoors, for example, bringing the their outdoor environment inside. Uh, so a lot of these changes did need to be implemented. And I think um, the biggest piece was the indigenous piece. Yes. There's a lot of the indigenous components that now have been put together. Um, and I think that was very important uh, to put in because, you know, when we are talking about our environment being outside, bringing our outdoor spaces uh, in and vice versa, um, a lot of those principles of uh, the first peoples were identified in there. Yes. And I think that's where that collaboration, the reconciliation really comes up. Yeah. So I think that was, those are, I would say the two most important things. And I know uh, if, if those of you who have uh, looked at the early learning framework, the new one, it is, uh, very, very, I would say, overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, and it is a lot to take in. But I think once you start to categorize and decompart all of the things that are put together, uh, it you're able to kind of see how you can implement that into your practice. Right. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I really mm -hmm. like um, how we're touching on, you know, the Indigenous communities, because that's something that's really big, you know, not just in early childhood education, but education in general is the decolonization of the classroom, you know, and yes. how, how do we do that? And, yep. you know, the changes can be so subtle, yet have so much impact. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was the really the, the biggest thing is, is such a big highlight um, when it came to the new early learning framework. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. And so again, so you facilitated workshops um, in the BC Early Learning Framework. Um, and yeah. 
you know, if we're talking about um, pedagogy, we talk a lot about um, documentation, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, and this is something that I feel that really depends on the philosophy of the centers that you work in. Um, Some centers value documentation and you have that allocated time, you know, for your educator to be able to, you know, reflect back on, you know, whatever moments um, that have happened in the classroom or uh, things that you are trying to, you know, facilitate for your children. Um, Yeah. Or you were, or you may work in other centers where, yeah, we don't see, you know, the value of documentation is not seen. And not only, not only is it not valued, not only is it not seen, but we see, you know, you know, taking a a bunch of pictures and making a collage on a wall is, is sufficient to, to say that, you know, we are doing a service to these children. Um, So I'm curious, like, why is documentation vital in early learning and why should more centers, you know, value documentation? Yeah, that's a really good point that you make. Um, I had the privilege of having time set aside for myself uh, at at the center that I used to work at. And um, that just showed that the center was invested, that um, the, the importance of the documentation was going to be there. And it was going to be represented not only for the children, the educators, uh, but more so even for the families too. Because I think, um, again, and I'm going to refer back even as a parent, um, when a lot of my friends would say to me last year, what do I do with my child? Mm -hmm. That was the biggest question that came up. Um, And I think that a lot of the parents, really, they just put invest Uh, everything into the early childhood education program, or even into the schools and the parents don't really have an an understanding and that is fine. Um, But when there's a representation of this documentation that is present in the classroom per se, when you walk in and even um, as you said, Kayla, like just a collage, even if there's a collage and you see your child, you walk in, you see your child, you really are curious to know as to what is, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and even perhaps, you know, once your child sees that, they'll say, oh, hey, mommy, hey, daddy, come over here, look at look at what I was doing here, and kind of explain that. That in itself, I would say is documentation, there is really no right or wrong answer when it comes to that. Um, documentation is, is something that also can come across as growth, too. So right. something that you are focusing on in your classroom, and you want to see where it started off and where it's evolving to. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be um, something that is going to just end. There could be no end. It could just continuously go and go and go. And I think that that's the the beauty of it. Right. Um, I don't, I hope that we're going to answer that question a little bit. I think so. And I mean, I like the fact that you kind of touch on there's no right or wrong answer. Right. And I mean, and I think, I I mean, as human beings in general, I think that's just something that we always kind of struggle with is this idea of Mm -hmm. doing it right. Am I doing it wrong? I mean, in certain, on certain topics, there very much is a right and wrong answer, but yeah when we're talking about, you know, documentation, you know, I I think that's something that even as new educators, or even educators, you know, who have been in the field, um, sometimes can struggle with, right? Because we always, we're always seeking a yes or a no, I find. Yeah, and you know, we we work with such a vast, uh, experienced 
colleagues that we have, right? And so I think that when we work with um, everybody who has different values and, and different beliefs, it's kind of hard to then um, perhaps be inspired or vice versa. You're so inspired by, you know, the person that you're working with. And I think that's where the whole documentation piece also comes together is that we're working on a particular thing. And it could just be very something very simple, uh, perhaps baking or even um, making Play-Doh with the children, because a lot of the times the educators say, and personally, I've done it too, where I'm like, I'm just going to make this before everything, everybody comes in because I'd rather them just kind of play with the Play-Doh and enjoy that. Right. Um, but taking it back and really being in the moment and, and and teaching them the process of it, I think is, is very important. And that is where that documentation can then be implemented by seeing the, the entire process of it. What did it look like? And now for the children to manipulate that material that is going to be available for them on the table. Um, I think that, that that is really important. And then to ask ourselves uh, and challenge you know, our colleagues, our families and, and the children as to what do you think happened? Um, oh, I heard so-and-so say this, or I heard so-and-so say um, my mom, when she does baking, she uses flour, but then we also use flour in the, in the Play-Doh. So all of these connections come together. And I think this is where as an educator, now we have that advantage to reflect and, and also ask our colleagues these questions and then put that into you know, our perspectives that we do when it comes to displaying documentation. I love that. And I like mm -hmm. that you came back to, um, you know, challenge and reflection, right? Because yes. we always, I mean, especially right now um, in newer ideas, newer philosophies, um, and in this cultural shift that we're trying to do um, in education, regardless of whether it's early learning or primary or high school, um, you know, we we're slowly starting to move away from this idea that, you know, the, the teacher is all knowing, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that the way that we maybe learn things even two, three years ago is going to be the way it is forever. Right. And yeah. which is so, which is not, which is not true that there's just no yeah. universal truth to that. Right. I mean, yeah as a species, even as a, as a species, we're ever evolving. So therefore, uh -huh. why can philosophies not involve? Why theories can yeah. not <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Why not education, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> um, and so coming back to kind of, um, you know, documentation and mm -hmm. curriculum and, um, excuse me, education, um, again, coming back to the word of pedagogy, uh, again, yeah. I think I said, like, this is a word that tends to be thrown around quite often. Um, yeah. you know, when you're in school, when you work, you know, when you're in the field, um, or even when you're trying to advocate, um, for your job and you're saying, I'm not a babysitter, right? <laughs> like I'm an educator. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, what, you know, at the end of the day, what is pedagogy and, you know, is it different from curriculum or does it, does it complement curriculum? Like, is there, is there a marriage to, you know, to both? Yeah, I mean, you know, the term pedagogy means in itself, it means the method and practice of teaching by exploring ideas and issues and issues and creating environments where learning and thinking can flourish. With this understanding, education and pedagogy are not about learning facts, but more so concerned with ethical questions of living in the world together. <clears throat> so that in itself, speaks a lot, I think. 
um, it is taken right out of the early learning framework, which is wonderful. And I think that when we when we look at the the definition of curriculum, it is very different to each and every one of us. Um, our philosophies are very different. The way we practice as educators are very different. And when we put you know these educators together, we can see how we complement each other when right. we're working in the classroom. Um, and I think that the biggest thing here is to to see what curriculum means to you personally, right. and really ask ask our teams these questions when we are are working and. What does that mean for each and every philosophy? Because as you said, Keila, everybody's philosophy is also very different too. And it doesn't necessarily mean that when we are reflecting on the early learning framework that it doesn't apply to just Reggio inspired or Montessori based or learning through play. We can implement this into any type of curriculum and any type of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, like I've said, there is no right or wrong when it comes to the type of curriculum that we do. And, and you know, we also want to ask ourselves, what what is curriculum to us, as I mentioned, right? Um, and this can really be argued both ways. But I really feel that pedagogy does complement curriculum as it makes us think differently and makes us dig deeper into those wonders of living as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helps us connect with meaningful questions, and it really helps us build relationship and curiosity uh, when it comes to the children that we're engaging with and the families as well as as well as our colleagues, our educators. Right. And I love how you're coming back, you know, to living in the world together. You know, it's something that is so simplistic, yet so fundamental, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. um, and it almost kind of comes back, you know, if, if we're learning to live in the world together, you know, that in itself is going to hit so many different elements of, you know, respect, empathy, um, you know, just to, just to name a few, right? Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, and so now just kind of going off of pedagogy, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about curriculum and these different methods, but there's, you know, fun, there has been, you know, in the last, I want to say 20, oh my gosh, no, it's been more than that, probably like 30 years where we're sort of like now shifting and a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like newer centers, but I guess um, there, there's a big shift uh, in even in school and education, where it's primarily focused on the um, theories and philosophies of Reggio Emilia in, in mm-hmm. Italy. And so I'm just curious if the word pedagogy or the, the um, or pedagogy itself was also something that came from Reggio Emilia mm-hmm. and their approach to education. Yeah, I mean, Reggio, the Reggio approach was uh, founded by a visionary a teacher named Loris Malaguchi. Uh, which we all know of Malaguzzi. Um, and so that in itself was a, the practice in Reggio Emilia. Pedagogy, as I mentioned, focuses on the explorations and exploring the practice in day in and day out, um, which promotes teaching. So I think it kind of, when we take it back, um, their, their, their philosophy and the way they sort of practice was really critically thinking about certain things that, that you know, evolved in the classroom. Um, that could just be an example of something that they really focused on and then they continue to focus on it. Uh, and they, like I mentioned, uh, were present in that moment and not really thinking about, okay, what's going to happen next, 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 because a lot of the times we do sort of even as well as myself, 
Um, we always think about when we put out something for the children to do, we, we have this sort of premeditated idea of what we're going to vision, what the children are going to come up with, um, what are they going to do? And then as soon as things don't go your way, you kind of feel a little bit disappointed and you kind of feel a little bit um, taken back because you're like, oh, well, wait, that's not how I thought of it. it. But I think it just comes with that that mindset and the way that we really look at these things. Um, the, the way that we really focus on how we're able to shift that. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of takes it back to that third person. And I think I'm going a little bit off topic here. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is that when we that that Reggio, so the, the word pedagogy was sort of can't come from the Reggio Emilia approach. Right. Yeah. I like that. Does that uh, answer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm like, uh, uh, you know, but like, and, and that's, and that's important. And the, I mean, the backgrounds of word, you know, the history of words and why we use these words is, is important to know, right? Because there's, there is, um, you know, there's a reason that, that it exists and why it is the way it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how, again, it just kind of goes back more to, um, again, the self-reflection and, and the challenges mm-hmm. and being in the moment. And I think, you know, when you're talking about you, when we as educators put out any type of provocation, you know, I think this is also still when we're trying to step away from the more traditional um, aspects of education, you know, where, a plus B will always equal C, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, but, and, and I understand that because for many of us, that's just how, you know, we were, we were wired to think, yep. and, you know, now you're sort of re you yourself as an adult are relearning <laughs> and, you know, kind yep. of wiring <laughs> your own circuits, right. You know, yeah, to, to understand that, you know, if, if you're putting something out, it's okay for it to go differently. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be what you had already programmed in your mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I like how you kind of bring that back to, to pedagogy and, you know, the self-reflection <laughs> and the critical thinking and, and asking yourself why, or, you know, you know, looking back on your documentation and reflecting us to, yeah, maybe I had a pre, you know, a, a predispositioned idea of what was going to happen, but you know, why did it go a different way? And, you know, how amazing is it that maybe that way was in itself, um, more inspiring than what I had already put, you know, what I had already thought it was going to be. Yes. Yes. And I think that it just, we really have to kind of go back and we have to look at ourselves. I, I remember, um, working on, there was somebody who was really interested in, uh, caterpillars, and so we would look at caterpillars outside, we brought the caterpillar inside, and we took a very close look at it. And um, immediately, my, my coworker and I started to talk about um, how we wanted to teach the children about the life cycle of the caterpillar. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's already in our minds. It's, and and it's, just, it's just who we are. We're educators. And so we want to ensure that we are teaching yes. the children, um, and we're giving them all of the right answers. But the, my one of my other coworkers challenged us on that. And she did mention to us, she's like, what if this child just wants to look at the caterpillar and that's that? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that, right? I mean, so in that sense, I, I was like, 
okay, but no, I'm now I want to do this whole circuit on the whole life cycle of a butterfly and ooh, I can bring in these books and I can do this and I can do that. And I taking that back and really kind of listening to that other educator um, who I worked with, she just said, you know what, Aziza, just focus on the caterpillar itself and see what happens. Yeah. And Kayla, we never went to the very hungry caterpillar. We never got there. <laughs> and we never got to the life cycle. But we had um, this amazing space where we just put um, blank papers against the wall. And the children just started to draw the caterpillar. And they painted these caterpillars. And we would do this. I think we did this for like three weeks. Wow. And I think that the ability to for someone to say, that's okay. For yeah. you to have these children come in and paint every single day for three weeks, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think that we just have to remind ourselves that, right? And it's, it's taken me a long time because before that practice, I never was able to do that. I mean, we had a regimented, when I worked at a preschool, it was like a regimented 10 months of, it's all about me in September. And, um, you know, it was very, very theme-based, which... There's nothing wrong with that, but I think um, the value is going back to the whole word pedagogy is how do you learn from what is right there in front of you and where do those experiences take you and how can you connect that into your everyday living? Yeah, wonderful. And I love that, you know, you, you touched on that idea that, you know, it's okay that it doesn't become this big thing. And you know, and, and I think, again, that's also um, a challenge that, you know, most I know, I, you know, I still have that challenge. And I, yes. work, um, and I'm, and I'm very fortunate to work in a society where, you know, I, 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 yes, you have to, you know, show that you are doing your job. And, you know, you, you know, what you're doing in terms of um, documentation and curriculum and, and pedagogy, and that, um you know, you are, you are doing a service to the, to the education of, of the children in your care, but mm-hmm. you, you're not, you don't have to prove that there, you know, something was learned. And, and yeah. when I say that, I, I say like, you know, in, in the very, in the more traditional aspect, um, uh, you know, we, some, like, I'll, I'll throw an example out there, like the kindergarten readiness, that's a big, you know, yes. that's a big topic, right? Um, yes. And what does that mean for the majority of people? It means children know how to count. They know how to identify letters and <laughs> yeah. that's it. Or, you know what I mean? Like, whereas we're, yeah. not, we're not talking about, you know, there's so, yes, that's important. Nobody's saying it's not important. Yeah. Um, those are basic, um, you know, elements that, you know, of reading, of math, of, of identification. Yeah. Um, but that's not the most important um, aspect of, you know, of, having a child, uh, you know, raising the whole child, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and that just kind of taking a few steps back and that example that you provided, um, we though, how do you get those gross motor skills in? How do you master those fine motor skills? Well, you have to have particular types of, of materials and uh, manipulatives that Sort of help that and and yes your child is going to pick up that pencil and write however how are you going to make those fine motor skills even more stronger and that's where the ecd the early child development role comes into place because children need um to work with play-doh they need to work with clay they need to work 
with their fingers to make mud, for example. And so, you know, we kind of just have to switch our mindset a little bit in a way that these things are very, very important so that your children can hold a pencil yes. and are able to then cut. That's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but those early years of, of experiences and uh, curiosity and wonder are not going to come back. And I think that's where even in the early learning framework, like that shift has been changed to eight years of age. Yeah. And I can, I can, I can see that like, even when my son goes to school, he's now in grade two, I can see him telling me, because today was really nice, mama, we spent all day outside. And I love That's that. Beautiful. I absolutely love that. And so I say, so I asked him, like, what did you do? And he was like, well, you know, there was a stream and there was this river. And um, we kind of uh, using my boots, I like made like a little dug a little uh, stream in the pathway and we brought some water over from the puddle and we, you know, um, watched the water go down. And, but then, he, and then all of a sudden he's like, but mama, the water never went down because it just absorbed into the ground. And that's learning. Like he's learning. And that's learning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, yes, yes. And this is what I love. And, and when I say I'm an advocate, these are the things that I want to be an advocate for, not only for my fellow educators and my colleagues and whatnot, but also for the parents. Yes. Um, because the parents just exactly what you said, Kayla, they think that kindergarten readiness means that my child needs to know the numbers from one to 10. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But they're going to learn that they're going to learn that in kindergarten. Um, so yeah, you know, it just goes back to all these things. And they are using loose parts in school, they are using all these wonderful things. I talked to um, in uh, episode, <clears throat> what was it episode 11, um, where I spoke to a high school friend of mine. Um, and she was saying how, you know, her friend is an elementary school teacher. And mm -hmm. one of the things that you know, her as a new parent, um, you know, not in the field of early childhood, uh, she works as a, a her profession um, is a lawyer. So very, okay. you know, very different from, from me. Right? <laughs> but, um, you know, just as a parent, um, with a um, undergrad in psychological development, you know, seeing that shift from and I mean, I'm not old by any means. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm 30. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about um, the turnover and the change uh, in education and theories, like what what I'm seeing or what, you know, my other friends are seeing from their friends who are teachers, like you said, or, you know, the primary, um, the primary schools, uh, that, that focus on even being able to identify feelings, um, you know, to be able, you know, I have a friend of mine uh, who teaches grade two, three, if I'm not mistaken, and you know, seeing that, you know, so many children are kind of growing up without a lot of social interaction, you know, maybe it's from not being able to have, you know, not, you know, parents maybe not being able to, to send child, their children to childcare, which, you know, is, it happens and it's unfortunate yeah. Um, for yeah. many reasons that are sometimes out of your own control or, mm -hmm. you know, parents who just chose not to send their child to childcare. Um, yeah. And kind of growing up in this world now where everybody has access to, you know, an iPhone, a tablet, a this, a that. And mm -hmm. that's not, you know, and that's not a bad thing. I'm not shaming anybody, you know, for, for that. But mm -hmm. she, said she, you know, she noticed how 
a lot of her day has to be allocated to just letting children play and play together so that they can have those socialization skills that they just did not get um, in the early years. Yes. Yes, I know. And I mean, that's honestly a whole other topic when it comes to the social emotional uh, concepts for children. I mean, yes, it is very vital for them to have that in early years. And if they don't, um, I, I love how with the early learning framework and the primary teachers, they're how they're really focusing on that, because it, it's important. That is your, that is like your foundation for just communication <laughs> and, 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 you know, just building language and, and expressing yourself. And so those are all skills that, that we need to have once we are older. Yeah. It's just something, yeah, that, that just comes with it. So, yeah. Um, I think we went a little bit off topic, but that's okay. Cause it's all important. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but I kind of want to, again, bring it back to um, pedagogy and, you know, we are, we kind of talked a little bit about, um, educational philosophies and um, uh, things like that. But, and, you know, we, we touched a little bit about how, yes, you can use um, pedagogy, not just in uh, a Reggio inspired, um, you know, curriculum, but any sort of curriculum um, yeah. you know, in the school system. And, you know, I kind of want to bring it back to, you know, why is it so vital that educators in BC, and I was not aware of the fact that um, elementary school teachers are now also using this, this document, but so I want to say educators, you know, in general, regardless of, you know, the age group that, that you work with, you know, why is it so vital that we all familiarize ourselves with the BC early learning framework? Mm -hmm. I think that, um, the biggest thing is is pretty much everything that we've talked about. Um, but the BC Early Learning Framework is just such a wonderful tool uh, to have access to in and have into have in your programs. Pardon me, um, because it just kind of helps assess where what is happening in our program, and I think it just kind of gives us some kind of a guideline of how we are doing. So it's kind of like a self-assessment tool for educators, um, as well as if these wonderings and curiosities are happening, the curriculum that you have put together is, is occurring, how are these being connected? Mm-hmm. Um, are there pathways of, of connections? Uh, what do those look like? Are we hitting, you know, are we answering perhaps the right questions, those wonder questions that we always want to ask um, how can we extend some of these uh, curriculum sort of based things that are happening within our classroom? Is the extension really necessary or do we just have to leave it the way it is and then we kind of end it in a way? Um, and then the early learning framework is also designed for early childhood educators as well as um, primary, as we mentioned as well. Again, it's from zero to birth. We also talked about that too. Um, and I think that it just has put together in a way where it just showcases uh, the the pathways as well as the learning goals. And I think that the learning goals there are are important to have because it talks a lot about the well-being um, of our children. It talks a lot about the different types of principles that we want to instill in children. And um, I think 
I, that, that is the biggest thing, how to display. There's an example in the back as well in the early learning framework where uh, it gives you guidance on how to display documentation, how to sort of navigate through, through that. And to then again, self-assess the children and self-assess your own practice. Right. I hope that answers the question a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I also want to ask, um, because I think it's in Ontario, there are two, um, two, do uh, two documents that they kind of learn. And I think one of them, from my understanding, is a mandated document um, that early childhood educators um, kind of have to, you know, base a lot of, not base yeah. their practice on, but something that, you know, is, it's, it's just known that this is something that you use um, in your practice, yeah. regardless of yeah. your, what your philosophy is. So, but I don't think that the BC early learning framework is something that is mandated or required um, for BC educators to familiarize your, of themselves with. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the BC early learning framework came out, um, there was lots of different workshops and, and uh, lots of different um, sort of ways of you could how how you can gain more information and knowledge on the particular document, and then it also had two other documents: a let's play document and learn learn through play. Um, and I think those are just sort of two documents that go hand in hand with the BC Early Learning Framework. But yes, you're right. I mean, even at that point in time, we said, okay, well, we have this document. Now what? Yeah. And I and I and I think that is such a debatable argument because yes we have this beautiful document and um you know some of my my friends who are in the secular school system also say the same thing to me they're like well it's not mandated and if it's not yeah. mandated then why do I have to teach this in, in grade two for example okay. um so I think that is a whole other thing and really it definitely needs to be mandated or even have somewhere where this is something that we have to fall back on. But as of right now, we don't have that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And that's <clears throat> unfortunate because it is such a disservice, um, you know, to yourself, mm -hmm. not, not even, yeah. for, not even for the children. I mean, yes, yeah. you know, if, if we as the adults, as the educators are, you know, just kind of constantly stuck in this idea of there's only one way to do things. And if it's not, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it um, mentality, yeah. then, there's never going to be any growth and you're actually going to be met with more challenges versus, you yeah. know, who's coming into education with an open mind, you know, with, um, with the want and with the desire to continuously um, better yourself and better your practice, you know, and, and have the ability to, to do self-reflection, to challenge yourself and to ask yourself, yeah. why do I do things the way I do is like, yeah. why, what's the reason yeah. for that? Can it change? Why can't it change? Yeah, exactly. And I think we just have to take it back on ourselves too. You know, we have to ensure that we are self-motivated in some way and that we can motivate each other. Um, you know, and there are, like I said, examples of the pedagogical narrations in, in the book itself. And I think it's just the, the way you take it. And what I love about the document is that it really showcases the multiple perspectives is that, you know, I could have one perspective, but Kayla, you would have a completely different perspective of the exact same thing that's happening. And I think that that's the beauty of it. 
Um, and I think that if we continue to have these conversations living within our culture and within our environment, that we can really bring this document in and implement it. And perhaps, you know, one day, one day, <laughs> we'll be able to, you know, have this where this could just be our guide and, and it could be a mandated document where even when us as early childhood education educators go into school, that this is something that we kind of live by. Right. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so just to kind of um, close off on this conversation, um, you know, we've yeah. spoken so much about, you know, all these different topics that are, they're so the, I mean, you know, it branches off into different, you know, ideas, but at the same, but, you know, at the end of the day, the root, um, you know, it's all coming from one root, one rooted idea. Um, but I'm just curious, like, you know, we, we briefly spoke about um, the idea of right versus wrong versus, you know, a yes versus a no, um, you know, versus am I doing this, you know, am I doing the right thing? Um, and yeah. so I want to ask, like, what advice would you have for any educator, you know, be they new in the field, be they, you know, 20, 30 plus years in the field who maybe have a fear that they're not doing pedagogy or, or documentation right? Yeah. I know I get asked this question a lot. And um, at first, when I started off, I also felt very overwhelmed. And I really didn't know how to, you know, my center would say, okay, you're gonna have to do a documentation, or you have to do a pedagogical narration. Um, huh, what? Like, it was just <laughs> one of those things where, okay, it was just, I kind of felt perhaps even my own expectations were too high. And I needed to bring it down a little bit more to my own level and then see how I can experience it. And it just goes back to a child learning a bike for the first time. Um, they have their own reservations, but the more they do it, the more they practice, the more they, they get better at it and you master it. Um, and I know that there's that fear of, of the documentation even being compared. So yes. I kind of just urge everybody to not compare and, and do your best, I think. Everybody has their own comfort level, like I mentioned. And at any time, you know, we all have participated in documentation. We all have. And so, yes, it may look very different, but it's there. And some of the examples I can give you are just displaying the children's artwork or sharing your experiences and reflecting on how you felt, um, you know, when the children were working on a particular activity or art or whatever it may be. Um, and, and I, you know, urge you to just write about it and reflect on it. And I, and I think that we don't do that as often as we, we like, and we want to. And I know for a fact that if you do decide that you self-reflect on it, you'll have like pages and pages of stuff, um, written on it. And a lot of centers, you know, they showcase their documentation very, very differently. And that's fine. Um, you know, ones can have just the pictures, as I mentioned, newsletters, secured emails, all those things are a form of documentation. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you know, you just want to remember that uh, the photos and videos are have consent uh, from parents. And then as long as you're doing that, and like I said, secured website or emails, then, then that's, that's all it is. I love that. And I like, yeah. um, I like how you're again, just time to touching back on how, again, there's no right or wrong way, you know, displaying children's art is a valid form of documentation, you know, Agreed. Um, and that's something that is so simple, yet so overlooked. 
Yeah. We very much view documentation as having to be like a, 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 an essay for lack of better words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, thank you so much um, for coming in and talking to us about uh, this vital topic. Um, and you want to tell us a little bit more about where we can find your blog and, um, you know, if you want to get in contact and learn a little bit more, where can we find you? <laughs> sure. Um, so I have my blog on Instagram, Pedagogy Mama. You can search me there as well as on Facebook. Um, and if you'd like to send me an email and if you have any other questions, you can send it to pedagogymama at gmail.com. Love that. Thank you so much, Aziza. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful episode and I'm super excited and I'll have to, you know, read a little bit more about what you've got. If any of the audience um, would like to reach out uh, to us, you can always email us too at ecohonestly at gmail.com or you can find us on our Instagram or Facebook under ECE Honestly. Thank you everyone. Mm-hmm.